Welcome to Viger, please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. We've entered season four, Peter. You've long last, much fanfare. You've, you've come this far, and finally, Casey, uh, Casey's interested now <laughs> in what, what we're doing. Yeah, man, she was uh, there with me the entire episode, paying attention. I'm very, I don't know if I want to say proud or sad for her. It's, it's a strong emotion one way. I just don't know if it's a good one or a bad one that I've finally dragged my wife into Star Trek fully. But you know what? Screw it. She was all about Discovery. Her cherry's been popped. She just needs to get into that 90s jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, that, it's that deeper cut, you know? Mm-hmm. It's one. It's one thing when you listen to the album that everyone knows, but when you like start plumbing the depths of the B sides, that's that's where the real that's where the real action is. And boy, is Voyager ever a fucking Star Trek B side? You're gonna say um, that season four is the real action for Voyager? Well, it's actually an interesting point of discussion. Season four is overall kind of, I think, uneven, but. It probably has my favorite episodes in it. It has two big two-parters that are both very good. Year of Hell and The Killing Game. It has probably the best episode of Voyager period, uh, which is Living Witness. It has a number of kind of like those, I don't know what to call them, middling Good overall Trek episodes. There's one in the season regarding Neelix, actually, that's really strong. This is an interesting time in Voyager's production, because obviously not only did they decide to uh, bring in a new cast member, which is pretty momentous all by itself, but the kind of production staff uh, was starting to shift. Uh, this is the season where... Uh, we start to see a lot more of Brandon Braga, who's going to end up being an executive producer. And also this is the season, I believe where Brian Fuller starts writing. In fact, I know it is because he, he does some of the very episodes just talked about. And that might be a name that you remember because Brian Fuller, not only is he famous for doing badass television shows like dead, like me and Hannibal and pushing daisies and American gods. He also uh, was supposed to be the showrunner for Discovery. Hmm. And he got fired before the show even really got off the ground. The The word is he wanted to make it too Star Trek-y for the tastes of network. Uh, and he didn't he didn't make it. And they wound up getting that hack fraud uh, Kurtzman instead. I'm very interested to see where season four goes and what path they try to take with seven of nine jerry ryan um out of the gate because i think in my mind that this is going to be like the bc and ad mark for the show we've seen already like the leanings towards sexy time (laughs) <laughs> the, Lisa, the Lisa Kinks, yes, season three, um, and I don't know. I, part of me feels like we're going to be trading off a very well-rounded, non-sexualized value-add Kess for big titties and a tight outfit, and that it it's going to take a while for Seven to become a a character, not just a a figure. That's my expectation i i'm I'm afraid that the show is going to be losing 
the the spirit it should have had out the gate that took it three seasons to actually find. I think that okay. To be fair, is this this the show is infamous from this point forward that it makes uh, shall we say sufficient use of Jerry Ryan's uh, physical attributes. I'm not shitting on I Jerry mean, Ryan, by the way. Like, oh yeah, the, she's, the, she's she's gorgeous, and that's just the way it is. But she's an incredibly talented actor. I think we you see that right away in this episode uh, from how she portrays her character. And there's some interesting notes that I had not known that was in the Memory Alpha about the advice the director gave her about how she portrays herself, which makes things make a lot of sense. It certainly is at true that they trade on Jerry Ryan being a stacked blonde to try and get eyeballs. Uh, but they accidentally hired a very talented actress in the process and they figured that out and use her very effectively. Maybe not as much in season four as they will later, uh, but they, they do eventually, you know, use the Jerry Ryan's acting talents to their advantage uh, uh, more so uh, perhaps even than her other talents. So I, 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 yes, I agree with you. I'm going to miss Kess. I feel like season three was like you saying was building and building into Voyager kind of finding itself. And then this feels like studio interference. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect description of that. There's dudes in suits that pass down a note. And I mean, did they ever really make it clear? And we can have a whole goodbye Kess episode later, but did they really make it clear why Jennifer Lean exits the show? They certainly give Kess an exit story. I I have no knowledge whatsoever on how it is that Jennifer Lean might have taken her being written out of the show. Oh, did she get written out? Did she want to exit? Like Denise Crosby and Tasha Yar, she wanted off the show because she didn't enjoy the role. Um, and I'm curious if this is uh, the studio wanting her out or her wanting it out or just them deciding that you know, they want to keep the cast the same size, and that means for someone to come on, someone has to leave. That's uh, maybe going to be some homework for us. I think so. I would be interested to know that. Um, it's amazing that we don't know that. I mean, between the two of us, that that something as big as a cast member. Well, I think that has to do with, like, Kess being relegated to being this unimportant speed bump of a character in Trek history. Um, you think of how you conceived of Kess. I hated her. Limited, yeah, without even seeing a second of her on screen, right? Like, at, at, at most, she's not thought of. At worst, she's considered, you know, a bad character. And, and what, in what, truth, what, what, I think she was my favorite character easily. Second, maybe to the Doctor, but definitely top three. Easy. I would agree. I would say that she was absolutely my number two behind the Doctor for the first three seasons. And... Honestly, I didn't um, I didn't appreciate her until I went back and watched all these episodes to do the show. We talked about it before. I mean, maybe she's just a character that works better in 2019. It could be that time has put her in a different perspective. I agree. Um, but. In a lot of ways, seven of nine takes over the role of the kind of naive slash isolated observer that Kess used to inhabit 
they they very naturally decide to make that transition. Obviously, Seven of Nine is going to look at that from a different perspective uh, based on the fact that she is Borg and is going to be portrayed in an extremely different fashion as a consequence. I think that creates an interesting dynamic with her and the characters that she interacts with uh, from the captain to the doctor to a number of other uh, things that happen. And it'll present, I think, some some interesting discussion points and some some rocky roads ahead of us as well as they try and shoehorn in explanations of why the Borg do certain things. <laughs> but we'll get there. But uh, what did we what? What Borg-centric episode did we watch this week, Peter? Season 4, Episode 1, Scorpion Part 2. So they uh, they picked this up right where they left off. Like, literally the moment after Scorpion Part 1 ended. And the Borg cube that has wrangled Voyager is escaping from a Care Bear stare attack from the uh, Species 8472 bioships. It b- straight blew up a planet. How many times have they done this in Star Trek now? Have a season cliffhanger where the Starfleet crew gets taken captive, essentially, by the Borg. Happened with uh, Best of Both Worlds. Yep. Then there was Descent, which is where uh, Lore's cronies surround the way team on the planet's surface. And now this one, right? That's that's the third time we've had this cliffhanger. It's not the last time it's going to happen on this show. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I know that's probably shocking to you. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the tension that they built in the last episode that they carry over between Chakotay and Janeway is probably one of the better parts. They, they don't skimp on Chakotay really hating the idea of this alliance, that he's the only one that seems to see working with the Borg as a fucking no-win proposition and wanting to be done with it as quickly as possible. So here's what I notice right off uh, right off the jump is the entire tone of this episode is a complete 180 from Scorpion Part 1. I'm going to chalk this up to them having a summer or whatever between seeing the last one and getting in. I don't know if it's a different director or what. It is. But starting with the lighting, everything has a much more severe tone. And my biggest complaint about one of my many complaints about Scorpion Part 1 was that it didn't really seem like anybody was taking anything serious. There was no palpable fear. And all the characters seemed really bland going through what should have been the scariest shit ever. This one, the tension's there. The board cube whisks Voyager away in a tractor beam. Janeway's on the cube still. Uh, I think the camera angles are much more harsher. The bridge is darker and everybody seems to be kind of soaking in this, this really bad mood. And it brings you in much better than Scorpion part one ever did. I agree that that definitely there's more tension overall. I I still don't think that there was necessarily fear. I, I think at that point, the scary parts really over. They're not mucking around on the, sh- on the board cube you know they've already kind of crossed the hump and now they're stuck in a sour situation so i think the absence of fear is more forgivable at this point the episode rolls forward with essentially a narrative reminder of where we stand which is 
Janeway on the cube communicating with Chakotay that she's made a deal with the collective and that they're going to share this uh, reprogramming of nanoprobes with them and weaponize it in exchange for being allowed to pass through Borg space without being turned into you know Nano space what? Nazi zombies. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, pixie <laughs> dust. Uh, Borg pixie dust reprogramming. Mm-hmm. Fair, and fairy dust or pixie dust? I think it's fairy, fairy dust. Fairy I think dust. you're right. Uh, fairy dust. Janeway comes across very abrupt, very, I don't know, uh, not attached. And it made me wonder for a second. They never really explore Borg possession on any level, but with the invention of or the addition of fairy dust, like there's no point that the she's just giving these real short one word answers and stuff to Chakotay. Yeah, I'm going to be working on the cube. Why are you working on the cube? More efficient. Like what? Like Chakotay. They, they, they feel like they put as much thought into that as they put into explaining Janeway's motivations for desperately wanting to cling to a fucking deal with a goddamn board collective. But yeah, we already spent two hours railing about that. I, don't I know. Want to I'm just saying dead horse. What's interesting but, is the possession angle that, you know, like, well, maybe she got nanoprobes in her that possessed her. Maybe it's just, you know, they're using BS CGI footage to trick her. Um, and I was like, man, that'd be kind of cool if they explored that. And then I remember that was heavily featured in season two of Discovery, where control AI or whatever is taken over section 31. I was like, oh, wait, that sucked. I'm actually glad they didn't touch on that at all. <laughs> and I'm OK with them being straightforward with this sort of thing and not trying to, like, trick the audience on something like that, like some sort of cheap gag. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and. I promise I'll be this is the last time I'll mention it so that we don't spend another fucking two hours talking about it. But Janeway from this point forward to the end of the episode remains hell bent on making this deal with the, with the Borg, even when it doesn't seem like a very rational thing to do. And they never try to redeem that choice. That's my beef is that at no point is Catherine Janeway proven to be correct in her choice to decide to help the Borg fend off species 8472. The closest they get, and later on in the episode, we get more telepathic communication from species 8472 to Kess. And Kess is like, oh, that mean they don't like us being in their in their fucking house. You know, we've we've uh, we're a genetic you know, threat. Yeah, we are we are sullying their their precious bodily fluids and they want to wipe out wipe us out like a vague telepathic communication with a limited amount of the species when we know they have let them go in the past on purpose. And it's just so narratively weak that, you know, we're expected to assume and this is after they find out the Borg caused this fight to begin with, which is the least surprising revelation of all time. That's after they tell us, oh, the Borg tried to assimilate them and that's why they're angry, which of course, right? Sure. And there was never any moment where they in character revealed something that suggests that Janeway was right to do this. They leave it pretty much open. And here's a fucking spoiler for you. They realize they never did that and have to double back later. Way in the future. 
<laughs> not this episode, not even this fucking season. They're like, oh, yeah, we never fucking resolved that, did we? Well, so, you know, they never apologize for getting Hogan or anybody else killed on Chakotay's uh, child custody hearings. So, <laughs> you know, it's par for the course. Voyage is a ship where leadership does not say I'm sorry. And speaking of not saying that they're sorry, uh, the remorseless Janeway tells uh, Tuvok to come over to the cube because they're going <laughs> to they're gonna go ahead. I paused it because I had to start writing a note in case he's like, he doesn't want to go over there. Look at his face. He's like, I don't want to fucking go. And I'm like, well, that's you, you. That is what we call real talk Tuvok, where he he acts with his eyebrows. And you are absolutely right. He is not happy about this, but he's a good soldier. And then. Chakotay like bark order you heard the captain <laughs> get, <laughs> get over the there. fuck over there keep in mind Be- Chakotay and, and Tuvok have never really been BFFs so I'm sure of all the people to order over to the board cube Tuvok's pretty high on Chakotay's list I mean remember Tuvok two episodes ago got found out as having created a simulation where Chakotay was a a charming <laughs> manipulative mutineer uh-huh. <laughs> like Clearly no love lost between the two. You know, they, they continue to go towards the Alpha Quadrant. So the, the Borg Cube, like, changes course to go in the direction of the Alpha Quadrant to, like, quote-unquote prove that the Borg are holding up the deal. Splitting hairs. The Borg have transwarp drive, right? Yeah, I, I don't get this either, man. And if they got him in the tractor beam, which Chakotay's like, have them let a let, let us out of the tractor beam, and it's like, why waste your gasoline if you can just have the cube pull you? You're not going to leave the captain there, and if you want to leave, the board going to fuck you up and kill you anyways. Like, just enjoy the free ride. And if the board really do want to get the cure faster, then just transwarp their ass over to the edge. Right, like the Borg are capable of going from the Delta Quadrant to the Alpha Quadrant in, we'll say what Months? a matter of of. A very compressed time frame, like yeah. uh, the initial encounter with them to win uh, Best of Both Worlds was what, 18, a year and a half? If anybody so, would like a V'ger, please, good boy point, feel free to get the start dates of the initial encounter and then Battle of Wolf 359. And that sounds like a, give you a shout uh, out. <laughs> Jack, Jack, that's for you, buddy. You're perfect for that sort of detail. Some space math. That's true. Tuvok goes over. And they're going to start working there. Oh, meanwhile, I guess the important revelation on ship is that the doctor starts injecting fairy dust into uh, a very <laughs> gnarly looking Harry Kim who is being eaten alive by uh, species 8472 AIDS. You know, by injecting him with these uh, the fairy dust, it uh, it it is curing him of his, his schmutz. I'm getting I'm getting a very clear mental picture from what you're laying down here, Joan, I'm going to suggest perhaps we need to rename it from fairy dust to space Coke, bro. My friend, you're talking about blowing up his nose and it's, it's fixing him. I, I wish, I wish that this isn't something that they fucking do. It seems like every other week for the next three goddamn seasons, but they, but they do. Mm. You, you, you see what they're doing. Take this scene and just like multiply it by a thousand and and slap a, a goddamn intro on it. And you can just call it Star Trek Voyager. I swear to fucking Christ. 
it feels like every solution from this point forward to a technological conundrum is let's reprogram Borg nanoprobes to do blah. Okay, and so this- nanoprobes will be fairy dust, space coke, and or uh, space tussin. <laughs> rub it on, <laughs> it'll off. fix Just whatever. Rub it on there, it's mm-hmm. fine. Rub some, rub some dirt in it. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where it's a real dangerous procedure. No one seems to give a fuck. They jump right in. Not that Harry Kim is really in any position to have anything but a Hail Mary thrown at him because he is having a real bad time. His face looks like complete crap. There is snot worms everywhere. It looks awesome. Uh, it seems like it's a combination of actual makeup effects and bad CG on him. So he has this little conver- the doctor has a conversation with Chakotin. They say, all right, let's give it a shot. Uh, doctor tells him what's up, goes in with the hypospray, hits it. And these uh, space snot worms start rotting off his face, miraculously not leaving any scar tissue whatsoever. Just beautiful Harry Kim beautiful smooth as a baby's buttocks asian mm-hmm. skin mm-hmm. harry kim remembering Don't we the ass womb. harry uh i do like that later on when he returns to duty balana was like he still got a tendril on your nose <laughs> like that's just just a little bit of shittiness oh by the way i don't know if you noticed this in this episode but you're definitely going to notice it later uh they're going to shoot balana torres from behind consoles or in uh, half body shots for this entire season. She because pregnant? Yes. Uh, this season, uh, Roxanne Dawson was for real pregnant. And uh, that is not in the program as far as uh, uh, her character. Uh, Speaking of that, point. though, I was reading. I, I think Martha Hackett was actually pregnant when she was doing her Chakotay baby stuff. Yeah, so it worked out that she was IRL pregnant when she her character was pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, which was you know pretty amusing uh, combination effect. This so Balana is gonna be pregnant in character after this, but this Roxanne Dawson is for real pregnant here in in you know whenever they filmed this in 1997, and that was not in the the program for then. So they're gonna. They're going to sh- do some camera stuff and then they're going to use this uh the like the open jacket engineering jacket thing. Yeah. Hide kinda it a like, little bit. Uh, kind of like um Dr. Crusher's gown that she used to wear, the blue coat. Um, yeah. You know, and speaking of moving from three to four, between season one and season two, they got a bunch of new equipment that they should not have had access to the, the different phasers and the more angled tricorders. It's kind of sad that you don't really see that kind of growth moving. And I always look, I'm like, where did they put money into improving the set or making uniforms look better or, or whatever. And you just, you don't really see it in Voyager. You yeah, certainly it's not pretty in the static. The fucking ship, the exterior ship shots we see through this entire episode that it looks like they're just using a fully CGI model look really bad. It really is kind of sad that here, here they are almost a decade after TNG began. And how I mean, is it really like that much better than the, you know, season one, season two TNG stuff where they're still using miniatures? I would say it's markedly worse. I, I would yeah. take miniatures every time over this early proto CGI stuff back in Med Bay. Speaking of terrible CGI, 
Tess starts having some uh, some bad dreams as the aforementioned telepathic messages promising all doom and gloom from species 8427. 8472. Along. You know, I don't respect these people. I'm not going to pronounce your name right. Uh, <laughs> she starts getting these weird like telepathic attacks where she sees their bad CGI asses stomping around Medbay, screaming, cowering the corner and the doctor has to kind of talk her off the ledge. I, they kind of faked me out because at this point, uh, the the aliens, they start using Kess as a homing beacon and they're able to kind of do this sneak attack, pop out of nowhere and start attacking. And it comes with a pretty big cost. It's one ship and the entire cube that's escorting them has to slam into the alien ship to destroy it. I thought at this point they were going to write her off the show by her saying, I'm too much of a threat to the ship. Wherever I am, they know you're going to know or they're going to know exactly where Voyager is all the time. I have to leave. And that's going to be the conditions that she parts ways with the ship. Well, I mean, um, wait till next week. That's all I can say, man. Just wait till next week. Over on the Borg ship, Tuvok and Janeway start making some startling re- revelations that uh, the aliens and the ships are all made out of the same gunk and that, you know, they're going to have really good traction with these new weaponized fairy dust bombs. They get to the little workstation they've pr- been provided within the cube and they start trying to work with the collective and the collective's like, nope, we're not talking to you that way. You guys are going to get like half ass assimilated. And Janeway and Tuvok get literally bent over and they start trying to put one of these little doodads on their neck the same way that Chakotay got back in Unity. And uh, they're like, no, we don't want to be assimilated. And the board's like, oh, we don't care. And then Janeway plays the, I'm going to call this alliance off and destroy everything. You know, they pause for a second. Oh, well, what if we give, you know, what if you give us one person to talk to? And it's like the most weakest, sorry ass reason to drum out seven of nine possible. Like it's full force ramrodding. I I have zero buy into why they're going to designate one drone to be their liaison instead of just matrixing them in. But whatever. And uh, even my wife's laughing because, you know, they're using a lot of heavy smoke effects and all this. And they're like they're going to have her walk out of the smoke. And I'm like. I, I bet my left arm they're going to do this. Some sort of like pro wrestling walk out of the smoke grand intro. And oh, sure seven, enough, seven of nines, uh, co- you know, encounter with pro wrestling happens later. But <sighs> but uh, Joe, yeah, it's not too late to go back and start on Oracle, man. Hey, listen, you you count your blessings after we're done with this show. We're going to do Enterprise. But um, the <laughs> stay with me. The setup for seven of nine is really weak. They like say, Hey, do, why don't you do like a thing? Like what you did with Jean-Luc Picard and Locutus and just give yourself one voice to speak through. It is, it is very ramrody and stupid. Like why, why in the world would the Borg cop to this? Yeah. You know, like, and (laughs) Stevie, whether you're talking to the voice in the room or a drone, it's the same inefficient conversation verbally. Like, this does not make any sense. Stevie said when seven of nine came out is that, um, man, why would the Borg let her keep those tits? And her point was like the Borg are a bunch of space zombies, right? Like they would just chop those off. They did. That's not boobs. That's just uh Ram. 
This those is, are hard this is where our keeper hard drives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, those are just uh, I don't know power supplies or something. But uh, Borg drone comes out. It is is very much uh, seven of nine as she introduces herself. Tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix zero one, and uh, the performance note I read uh, that Jerry Ryan took from this it was kind of interesting. She apparently watched uh, First Contact. And then a few other episodes from TNG where the Borg were involved. And she didn't quite really know how to play this character as like somewhere between a drone and the queen because she's not quite either. And uh, apparently the inspiration she took was like a Prussian general. So very stern, you know, extremely self-confident, not will not entirely your own. You're still very mechanical, but uh, a, sen- a heavy sense of arrogance and uh, it made a lot of sense. Like I, when I read that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what she did. The cue that I would have said she got was a strip club, because when she comes walking out of the smoke, it's like being at a titty bar and the dancers come out to <laughs> Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. She's got this swing in her step. She's just dripping with this attitude. And I don't know what part of this was supposed to be Prussian general, but it is very much nothing like any Borg drone we have ever seen before. And I'm surprised that they would have handed her first contact. I read the same notes. They're like, but don't don't pay attention to the the queen because you're not going to be like that. Well, then why bother watching first contact? You should have been all over. Uh, what was the Hugh episode the... of next gen where the Hugh? Oh, I Borg. Yeah, I Borg. And like that is very much what I was expecting to see. and. And there is no similar between these two. She's got definite attitude. She's got definite swing in her ass. And I think that will all work for her post Borg. But as a drone company woman. It's uh, it's a real bad fit. They do a very good job of explaining why she's this way as time goes on and they build her character up. So I don't want you to, to leave this with the sense that this was just done with no sense of explaining why uh they do explain exactly why actually later on as to why she seems to have this very specific personality yeah but that's just retconning man like uh, why she's like this is because this is our new shiny character and we want you to pay attention and wow just look at her go i get it and you can you can retcon whatever goofy story you want after the fact but I mean, yeah, I it's, I can't discount the idea that they came up with it entirely as a retcon, but what they do with explaining it felt good enough to me that it didn't automatically raise my hackles to say, oh, they're just doing this because they have a plot hole where Seven from Nine clearly had some level of personality before she actually was disconnected from the rest of the collective. And I think that that counts for something. And the 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 episodes that they do with the Borg that are the most interesting are actually to me the ones where this kind this part of Seven of Nine's backstory is explored because it touches on the nature of the Borg, what it does, you know, what happens when you get assimilated, how it destroys you, what happens, you know, obviously most relevant here when that connection is severed. What, if anything, are the imperfections in this process? That sort of thing. 
all loops back into why is seven of nine like this? And again, to your point, it might be retconning, but I don't think it was. I think they had some plan as to what they wanted to do with the Borg. Maybe not like really completely thought out at this point. And they execute on it over the next few seasons. And they ends up being some of the more compelling storytelling that they do with the Borg as a, as a species. There's plenty of shit too. Plenty of shoehorn crap. Uh, but there is some good stuff as well. Uh, she gets in and instantly starts giving a rundown on Voyager's capabilities as they get ready to build this joint weapon. And the weapon's basically supposed to be a wide dispersal of Borg fairy dust tainted with Voyager's upgraded um, murder mechanic. For anyone out there foolish enough to care about Voyager's photon torpedo complement at this point, we're sitting at 32 photon torpedoes, which is... Just a completely ridiculous number. Whatever. Uh, And they're like, how would you know about all of our weapons and everything? And we get our first of many answers, which is simply, we are Borg. Okay, we get it. You guys are super sweet badasses. Whatever. But old Kess over on Voyager, she's sending out the homing signal. So we don't get too far in this arrangement of Tuvok and Janeway working over on the cube. Like I said before, one lone... Uh, alien ship comes out of a magic hole and starts shooting and they ding the board cube. Now keep in mind how, how many board cubes were one of these able to destroy just last episode, which was like in character 40 minutes ago. Uh, that would be 15 Peter. 15, 15 cubes. This thing bullseyes the cube it keeps going and then the cube having just accessed uh voyager's full database we're able to get current on the star wars saga watch the last jedi and realize that (laughs) when push comes to shove all he gotta do is just ram your enemy and you can take down anything even the emperor's flagship so the borg just kind of turn around and uh, slams into this thing. And all of a sudden you have one cube taking down one alien ship. Whereas one alien ship previously had destroyed 15 cubes. Explain this math to me. Well, and well, they don't even explain it in the episode. Cause later on, we're going to get dialogue from the collective of, Oh, uh, some bio ships popped out and blew up eight Borg planets, destroyed 153 cubes and killed 8 million Borg. Like they don't like suddenly depower in every other circumstance. The bio ships, the bio ships are still just running the hottest dick all over the Borg at every stretch. But for some fucking reason, Species A472 weapons, A, don't immediately always destroy Voyager, even though it really fucking seems to that it should. A- and and B, uh, in this instance, didn't blow up a Borg cube in one shot and somehow gets blown up by it kamikaze. I mean, it is very ham-handed writing. And I don't think there's any other way to justify it. I'll justify it by saying that uh, Voyager's 
experiences and uh, culture of Neelix's space cheese has hardened them against these that's true four seven two weaponry and they have it this- is bio weaponry and they have bioelectric you know uh, basically circuitry that has been hardened with antibodies from assaults from a, a filthy space cat that doesn't yeah. follow health code violations voyager is just way too cheesy at this point for species oh, eight, <laughs> oh man yeah uh-huh. wow Wow. And still a better explanation than the one that they don't give you at all. They might as well be shooting silly string at Voyager. Whatever. Moving on. Cass continues to have visions of species 8472 and the docs like, yo, this is getting real serious. They seem to be really like tapping into her like mind. And, you know, they, they have the dialogue on, on the cube where, where seven of nine is basically keeps trying to push Janeway and Janeway pushes back and they're kind of setting up the uh, extreme amount of arrogance that seven of nine has as a Borg. They do establish that she is human and that she was uh, assimilated 18 years prior. So I want to touch on something real quick. I had a question last episode. If uh, Borg can grow old and die and they have to like go out and actively assimilate new Borg to replenish lost numbers, if she's able to age from being a little girl to an adult, then I think it's clear that the body continues to mature and die. Yes. And there is some things that they decide to do with explaining why a child could be captured by the Borg and grow to adulthood and and some other stuff that ends up just being like, what? It's the not great Borg canon. Mm. And unfortunately, that's going to be part of it. But uh, we establish she's human and that she's been Borg extremely long time. Uh, when the cube kamikazes itself, essentially Janeway, Tuvok, and a bunch of Borg, including Seven of Nine, beam over to Voyager uh, to save themselves and continue working on building uh bioweapons. Janeway, however, is super effed from getting like a a static shock from the uh bioweapon and is essentially needs to be put in a medical coma bef- to save her brain functions while the doctor does his n- space wizardy necromancy. So we we are treated to Chakotay getting a last second lecture from Janeway to say, you know, make sure you hold up my end of the bargain and make this work. Okay. I will now enter a coma and you'll be in charge now. I don't think it's a bad scene. Uh, I enjoy Janeway and Chakotay not being on the same page. I think that Janeway does a good job of being very clear and very adamant about what she wants to happen and that you are absolutely aware that um, Chakotay is circumventing her authority on this and that, you know, it's not for shitty reasons. You know, we spent the entire last episode saying he's right. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm buying this conflict much more this time around. And I don't know if it's better direction or people coming back to the table refresh, but it's good. Uh, I like it. And I also like that the rest of the crew doesn't really fight him on it. Uh, yeah, everyone's following orders. 
and the military cohesion of the ship feels more kind of secure. Like whoever's in charge is giving the orders and everyone just kind of does as they're told. But Chakotay's great in that he thinks this is a terrible idea, continues to essentially act in a fashion consistent with the with the the thought that this is a terrible idea. And then the moment that he is in charge and is given an excuse, he's like, okay, well fuck this then. Like the very first thing that happens after he comes in charge is that seven of nine demands that Voyager turn around, go back deeper into Borg space to rendezvous with another cube. And he says, I am not doing that. I'm trying to get the fuck out of your space. I am not going to go further into it. That's not part of the deal. And tell you what, I'm going to alter the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> I'm just going to leave your ass on some planet with the technology we promised you since, you know, I'm not going to, like, go the wrong direction. And, so, he's, and he's and he doesn't really, like, hesitate. He brings everybody in the briefing room, says, this is shit I'm doing. Do it. Like, I'm in charge now. This is what's uh, this is what's up. I don't think anybody ever really felt great about what Janeway was doing in the first place. And keep in mind, this is this is the board. This is Battle of Wolf three five nine. This is an entire paradigm shift in what Starfleet is in in the Alpha Quadrant. You know, less of an exploration, and they are back into a military persona now because of the board threat. I mean, this is. These are the Nazis. These are the the literal Nazis that have unified everybody in the Alpha Quadrant, you know, minus the Dominion Wars and all that other stuff or whatever. But this is the big bad, and nobody should feel good about having worked with these guys, and nobody does, and they all are very quick to it. Uh, the threat that gets tossed around a lot is I'll depressurize the entire cargo bay that you have basically assimilated at this point without any permission from us. Um, anytime Starfleet's around the Borg, there's phaser rifles out and basically being pointed around which is silly because we know that none of this stuff works so <laughs> right and we are in fact reminded of that immediately at uh, the moment the sh- shit breaks bad his decision I mean, to even bother depositing them on a planet seems real wacky like we know that borg aren't people anymore we feel bad for the people who are trapped being borg we've been treated to unity and that episode gets mentioned very heavily Chakotay's experience being tricked and maybe that's a very strong motivator is why Chakotay is such a hair up his ass about these guys that he has recently been victimized by the Borg he knows what they're about why you would even bother saying you know we're going to put you on the pallet like you're drones you're disposable I don't give a fuck I'm just going to beam you into space right now and be done with you fuck you we're out you're already going to kill us anyways, or so I think. So who cares? Why bother? You know, he's trying to basically honor some part of the deal by saying, well, we're, we'll give you what you promised, but we ain't fucking going back into space, right? He's he's trying to honor the spirit of it. Yeah, but that's which also is a the stupid worst. ass thing to do because the board don't fucking care, right? Like, and he and you would think that if all the people in this episode, Chicote would be the one of like, well, you're not going to give a shit if I half ass my my. Uh, uh, adherence Betrayal. to this, so so I'm gonna go and no acid and just say fuck off, like and space you guys all. And again, especially after he finds out that the Borg are responsible for what happened. Yeah, and also he is the one who last episode pointed out, like 
helping the Borg defeat species eight four or eight four seven two is giving the Borg permission to continue existing. We we harped on this thing for at least forty minutes last episode that you are dooming the entire universe to assimilation by removing the only credible threat that has ever presented itself against the Borg. So don't even give them the fucking cure, man. Just send their asses out into space and, and be done with it. You're already going to piss Janeway off. Who cares? Well, as mentioned before, the Borg on Voyager find out that species 8472's hot dick has continued to run all over them. And they decide they've got to take action to force Voyager to be more compliant. Um, yeah, there is a cool scene where Seven of Nine gets brought to uh, Chakotay in the ready room and gives a speech about you know why humanity is, is doomed to not uh, succeed in the way the Borg has. And it's important for her character development. You know, the the perspective that her character starts from is very much that that's not just the collective talking. That's her talking. And I think the interesting thing about her character is that she has spent so much time as a Borg, unlike say Jean-Luc Picard, who is very briefly a Borg. Mm -hmm. She's a lifer, right? She's, she's been doing this for 18 years. And to this, to the, point that she has a, 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 a unique per kind of personal identity uh, is like that carries over to when she's severed and she starts off in the spot where this is what she thinks of people like the harmony cohesion, you know, it, it will be your un your, the, the fact that you will lack the ability to act with cohesion will be your undoing. And that individuality is a weakness. That that's a philosophy that she sticks to. And I like it knowing where it's going and knowing how it is that Seven of Nine's character develops. The consequence of this, though, is that the Borg decide to, you know, hijack the ship as you fucking do. Of course, they first have to overcome Mighty Tuvok's security precautions. <laughs> Not hard. I mean, <laughs> Seska can do it and the Borg can do it. I was just going to say, like, they probably open the control panel they're trying to get in and there's just Maquis post-it notes and like all over the place. Like, uh, you know, Tuvox password is password. Don't forget to cut the red wire first. Uh, have fun. Good luck. And a smiley face. As they arrive at the moon that they're going to drop them off at, they uh, hijack the deflector controls to basically create a space vortex to suck them into where space species 8472 is from uh chakotay follows through on the threat and decompresses the entire deck gets all of course the borg except for you know the one that's jerry ryan and they find themselves having been sucked through into the space butthole into what is called fluidic space and is a thing that makes no fucking sense at all they are apparently in a parallel universe that is made of the strange fluidic matter instead of chicken the absence food. of matter. It looks like chicken soup broth. Yeah, it's it, the consequences of them being there is never something that's brought up like, OK, is the ship immediately crushed by pressure? Is there pressure? Is there atmosphere? What the fuck? Like nothing. Nothing about it is explained except to say it's fluid. Instead of space, 
juicy space. And if you can fly in juicy space, you can fly in real space. So there's a perfect uh, interchange between the two of them. And also warp works just as well with millions of particles of fluid rubbing against your hull. None of it's explained and it's stupid. I mean, it could just have been a parallel universe. That's just didn't have so alien. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's 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 just done to be different and nothing else. So I don't I it's not very well thought out. How many times have we said that that fucking shit about this show? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when Chakotay figures out, oh, hey, you know how to get here because you came here before and you came here before because, you know, you wanted to assimilate something that it, it represented biological perfection to make yourselves cool, except, you know, they're cooler than you. So now they're fucking you up. And so this is all your fault. So you're just getting what you deserve. Because of course, right? Like, that's exactly what the Borg yeah. would have done. And seven of like, nine. How else, like, how else? Seven and nine goes like full psycho girlfriend stalker. Like, they are so perfect and they should have been nine and blah, blah, blah. And totally cops to all of it with, with no hesitation, which kind of cool. Um, but it puts a fire under Voyager's ass because now she has forced their hand. They are going to come into contact and direct conflict with these guys and they do not have any options. So it is going to be a fight your way out or die. And before Chakotay can even make the decision on that, he gets a little phone call from the doctor because you know, who is out of whatever 15 minute life threatening dilemma she was in. Doctor has uh, hit his cool down. Janeway's up and running and is immediately pissed off at Chakotay for having broken the deal. Chakotay rightly defends his actions. He's saying, Borg are fucking dicks. I didn't ever believe in what we were doing to begin with. And they wanted to do some dumb shit. So I said, no. And as I started complaining, I will continue to complain that Janeway's rationale for why it has to be the way it is is never defended in any meaningful way. She doesn't have to. You know why it is. They wanted us to fly five days in the wrong direction. What would you have done? Well, I would have done it. Obviously, I'm the trap queen. That's the biggest dummy trap there is. (laughs) You know damn well what I've done, Chakotay. Was there coffee that direction? (laughs) I would have drunk coffee while I fell into the board trap. I would have went right back at him. These if there was games. a jail there, I would have beamed Tom into it. <laughs> he would have beamed himself into it. We're all creatures of habit around here. These Borg are nothing but cheese on a Borg in a big rat trap. Yeah, They have a forced revelation, I guess I'd call it, where they, they have to put the conflict aside to solve the problem because there's only like 12 minutes left in the fucking episode. And so they're like, well... You know, what we have to do is stop fighting each other and overcome the problem. You know, like Chakotay's in the middle of like throwing haymakers of like, I got suckered into being part of a mini collective. We need to not fucking make deals with these people, even like benign. The shit's fucked up. And by the way, they're the aggressive force here, which does shut her up pretty good. Yeah, Uh, like he's he's just. All, all he does is win, win, win. And then Janeway's like, we just have to stop fighting each other. And then they kind of cut away. And we go to the the bridge where Janeway's by herself. Chakotay's not there. She claims that he's put her put him in uh, the brig, which the viewer knows is un- very unlikely. 
and that okay well we've got to follow the deal and the deal means we make some bio weapons out of our torpedoes and we fuck up these bio ships when they show up and apparently in two hours yeah they're not only able to make like 15 torpedoes and then like one super duper ultra kamehameha torpedo uh but also like put a bunch of fucking borg armor and shields on the ship and like talk about some engineering magic apparently two hours is enough to uh re rework on a basic technological level your main defensive systems retrofit like two hours not only to install the stuff but it's like what is the underlying theme of Voyager supposed to be? That is a Federation ship far from home with limited resources. And yet there they are fabricating hull additions that add probably another 20% volume to the ship. Like I get they don't sweat the details on Voyager, but just, just all shit that flies in the face of everything they're trying to establish. You know, my complaints about the first half of this, the entire premise of, the Borg having to find a new villain to fight. That's even more super. I still think that they should have stuck with the, the, the toys they already had on the table. They could have told the exact same story. They could introduce seven and nine brought the Borg threat in scary. I think the Borg civil war would have been the awesome way to go where the collective bumps up against the, the commune. Uh, or instead of siding with one of the Borg factions, make the first three seasons pay off of Voyager goofing around in the Delta Quadrant. Go back to that speech that Chakotay said in worst case scenario about, you know, why are we wasting all of our times? Pay it all off. We have finally gotten to Borg space. Here is this massive threat. What are we going to do? Let's draw on all the experiences and alliances that we have formed over the past three years that we should have just whizzed right by let's get the help from from one of these other races and, and pay off all of our choices in one fell swoop but we don't go that direction we go with magic borg armor that looks really sweet i guess i don't know and off they go to war with uh, the worst mewtwo cgi centaurs possible and they wreck them you know janeway's like back off we're gonna f you up we got some some real juice now. Uh, they ain't having it, and they lay them down hard. So, again, the only kind of avenue by which we experience this is cast telepathic stuff. I don't think it's particularly well defended by the show as to Species 8472's villainy, but it's what we got. They throw the torpedoes at them. We have a dramatic pause before they blow them up. And... Ultimately, this convinces Seven of Nine that it's okay to go back to real space because Voyager has successfully developed the weapon that the Borg want. They go back, and that's when they comically get, like, trailed by, like, nine of these ships. Again, that's enough to blow up a planet. And they, like, shoot at Voyager, and it tags them in the rear, and they take a little, like, sparkly hit. Like, it's fucking nothing. I I know we're splitting hairs, but they're not hairs. I mean, these things are blown up. No, fucking cute. it's in this episode. Like the, the, the discontinuity of this uh, of this is present within this episode. Voyager like, has the, just demonstrated it can fuck them up and actually destroy them. These are now an alpha level threat. Whatever punches eight, four, seven, two may have been pulling earlier because they weren't sure about Voyager. This is now 
the real deal. And and like so they're landing direct hits and nothing. I my my brain is full of fuck. <laughs> they fire off a super torpedo. Apparently it's a class 10 probe they rigged with like a <laughs> giant warhead. It it's it basically just lays down a giant bomb that blows up eight of these vessels all by itself. Okay. So Voyager not only apparently just can't be destroyed by these things, but is now these these nanoprobe bombs are good enough to just evaporate these dudes no problem. What happened was over the summer between filming, uh, Voyager started dating the dungeon master. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you. got some very interesting upgrades. Got a staff of the arch magi, did we? There uh-huh. was a pretty cool scene back on the uh, the cube when Tuvok and Janeway are over there trying to figure this super weapon out. Like, look, we've got this uh, this super flesh eating leprosy bomb. Uh, now we need a way to just, you know, create it. And Tuvok and Janeway are talking small and the Borg are like, uh, no, actually, we're going to make like this mega nuke that can hit multiple star systems at the same time. And. Jane was like, oh, no, that's too much. And it's like, what what do you think you're dealing with? What <laughs> what possible outcome other than the most drastic shit that's going to hurt the most people possible, whether or not they're intended targets? So even a bomb with this spread, I thought was still kind of surprised that that Voyager would go ahead and develop it. Hmm. I can't find the right way to quite phrase my objection here, but suffice it to say Voyager is successful in fending off Species 8472, and they decide to retreat. And Seven of Nine takes note of this, and in the most predictable heel turn of all time, (laughs) immediately tries to seize control of Voyager so they can be assimilated. Having seen this coming, because of course they did, we get Chakotay... um, begins to <laughs> speak to Seven of Nine's mind by uh, actually using the the very uh, device that was used previously uh, to hook him up to the Hippie Board Collective, the, uh, the little uh, neural transceiver bit. And uh, the idea here, apparently, that they have is to distract Seven of Nine from her from her uh, attempting to assimilate the ship process long enough to overload her circuitry, which will sever her connection from the collective entirely. I'm not quite sure how this checks out, but of course it works. Uh, Seven of Nine is rendered unconscious and her circuitry is that connects her to the collective is fried. This is not something they discussed in advance, by the way, like this was their intention. They're just like, okay, it worked. We did this thing. My money uh, was going to be on the bridge actually being a holodeck recreation and they were going to kind of pull a ha ha got you. We were never on the bridge and you don't have access to any systems and now you're effed. The biggest head scratcher for this entire story arc comes at this very moment. It's even more than the, the decision to link up with the Borg in the first place and everything that happens after that. But it's it's the the single solitary shred of fuck that anybody on this crew can spare to give 
to seven of nine. And they take her to the med bay for what reason? That's a Borg drone. It's disposable. They're despite it. They're hated. She dragged them off to a fluidic space to win a war that they started. She tried to hijack the ship that she's going to assimilate them all. And this is where they decide to show mercy after just blowing all of them out into space 10 minutes ago. Yeah, like where was his mercy for the 15 other Borg you just killed? They they catch this plot to kind of specifically get her and there. It would have been different if there had been a reason. Like given a reason, like if there had been some kind of in character in universe in episode recognition of her strange level of personality and individuality she or just that they wanted to have someone who knew the the quadrant better there's nothing it's just well you know she's one of us now and we did this to her so it's our fuck you how many other times have we just kicked people into the fire and trotted along dr pell i'm not even saying like friendly there was nothing friendly about seven of nine at any point she was always hostile bitchy and then eventually tried to murder you i'm talking about like just anything else the fucking mind parasite from the larping with sulu episode all all of this other life this fringe life that they have with a flick of their wrist destroyed <coughs> tuvok and yet here's a board jump but you know what you meant damn. tuvix there bet, damn. But... well tuvok too, you could kick off a thing he He's been naughty his own few times. Um, uh, but you know what? Hey, she looks like uh, really good in that cat suit. So let's keep her around, gang. Yeah. Once she grows her hair back and we get her in a skin tight cat suit, imagine it's going to be quite the show around here. So let's keep this one around. Yeah, it's nothing. There's no reason for them to have done this. They could have given themselves a reason. Even a, like a little one of, you know, they access some information and then they know she's human and from Earth or whatever. And, and or Janeway expresses like some personal like I sense in her more like a sense of individuality. Sure. So I'll take like, it. Any of that, anything, Intuition. even something real small or flimsy would have been sufficient. You there know, ever none. since I had my catfish children taken away from me by uh, Starfleet <laughs> Child Custody Services, I've been looking for a ward to call my own. I would have taken anything, man. Um, let me ask you a couple critical questions here. Did Seven of Nine at any point get access to how to synthesize the anti-8472 uh, space Tussin? I think we're supposed to be presuming that she did because of her work to create the, the torpedoes. In Was the she hours. able to upload that data to the collective? Uh, she says specifically that she regained full uh, connection with the collective after they came back to real space. So, I mean, if I was the dickhead Borg and I like to go around and pick fights and now I know that I could topple the alien empire that almost effed me in the A. Would it not be reasonable to assume that they're just going to rip that space butthole back open and go back into fluid at space and wreck shit now that they can get the upper hand and actually successfully assimilate because their space fairy dust is going to work on these guys. I mean, you would assume so. Do they address it? Like I said, they realize years later that they didn't. And so they go back and do so. 
I'm not exaggerating. <sighs> it takes them a while to remember. Oh, did we ever? Oh yeah, we should probably clean that up. And then they they do, and they do it in a way that makes all of Janeway's decisions in this episode so much worse. That's the real fucking kill, killer to me. It's not when they re when they readdress this stuff years later that suddenly all of Janeway's choices were the right choices. Validated. Oh no. Oh no. Instead it's oh uh Janeway was wrong the entire time and this is what was actually happening and here you go. Cause if she didn't actually upload the the space poison formula back to the collective, I think that just make them a hell of a priority target. Like now we have same as the Skeevians and everybody else. It should be like these guys. I'm sorry. The Vidians are like, they have a Klingon on board. They have the cure to the phage hunt them down. They've got our augmented space pixie dust. Get in there, get them so we can get back to our war with the uh, species eight, four, seven, two, which has tucked its tail and ran away from, normal space because uh they didn't want to get you know discombobulated they get, anymore they didn't want to get hit by their you know anthrax or whatever <laughs> like <laughs> it, uh, bubonic you know. plague uh turns out it's overrated uh one out of five stars uh will not return species 8472 has been vanquished for the time being evidently uh they have now a random board drone that they apparently got on accident and, and in love with and they have a quick scene in Leonardo da Vinci's quote unquote workshop where Janeway and Chakotay sort of patch up the relationship. They do leave some of the tension there. It There is like they don't say, hey, we're buddies again. It's hey, I I just want you to know not doing what you wanted was tough. And Janeway's like, I respect that you have your principles and they kind of leave it there, which that's probably the best note to leave it on. In my opinion, it's like in terms of realism. They did not have them become bosom buddies again. They kind of restored their working relationship, but that's it. I thought they even brought them further than I would have. Uh, I would have expected like. This is not uncharted territory for for Chakotay. Maybe Janeway realized like she wouldn't really be able to push this issue. She did something really, really stupid that obviously the entire crew was cool with. Uh, disobeying how many times have we had chakotay really go off the rails see how i i changed that so it didn't come off (laughs) Uh, uh, when he flew off and and tried to thwart seska on his own that was unauthorized chakotay time this what other court martial level shit has he i feel like there's been more uh, court martial level shit from Chakotay. Where he's just completely uh, gone rogue. But, you know, he skates by without even so much as a slap on the wrist, and he's still in second, you know, he's executive officer and uh, whatever. They're going to just keep pushing on, pushing on. Did they ever say how close they end up getting to the edge of Borg space at this point? Uh, th- They... We'll talk about that more next episode, actually. So they're still in Borg space, then? They're still in Borg space. They say they're still in Borg space. And actually, the fact that they're enduring 
having continued to go through Borg space is the major plot point in the next episode. So we'll uh, we'll address that next week. But what are we going to watch? When well, we before we wrap this week? up, I, I want to put some closure on this. What were your final thoughts really on the episode? I mean, obviously, we focused on a lot of the bad. I think overall, it wasn't really a bad episode. I think all the hard pills to swallow already happened in Scorpion one. I don't feel like these two episodes feel like one long episode so much as two separate experiences. It's certainly an action heavy episode, which I think makes it move much quicker. Uh, Held Casey's interest, I think, because of the action elements. Right. Uh, I felt like the drama was much more on point. And again, since we've already been locked into these terrible choices, following through on it was easy to sit back and watch. And, uh, you know, the Borg stuff ended up being pretty cool the way they got jettisoned off into space. Um, Seven of Nine's decision to force them deeper into the conflict and see a resolution out of it. Uh, You know, it's far from the worst Voyager we've seen. And again, for an action episode, not bad. I also agree that it was not itself individually bad. Uh, Stevie was telling me like, yeah, it was similar to Casey. I think like as an action episode, it was pretty engaging. I was kind of checked out, though, just because of the same complaints that I started with from Scorpion Part One and that I felt like they just, you know, continued to have those problems into this episode. The, The major holes in the reasoning of the characters is something I simply could not get be behind or, or past uh, to enjoy this at all. So I'm going to take the same, the same coin side of the other side of that coin though, is like as crazy and bad as everything that Janeway does. Chakotay's decisions in this. And again, we, we started on it last season, season three. Chakotay is not a clown anymore. Chakotay has found his character and I like, what he has been becoming. And I think this really cements that he's not just a shitty substitute teacher. He is uh, an authority on the ship and he has tapped into the vein of common sense and all of the complaints that we had, he had, he acted on them and I felt like we had a, a voice on the show. What do we watch next week, sir? We're moving into season four, episode two, the gift. And there is Robert Picardo with a, Real quirky smile, grin on his face. Seven of Nine, the Borg drone that miraculously Voyager saved and severed from the collective, resists as her natural human physiology tries to regenerate. So it's a heroin recovery episode. And it's also where we're going to finally say goodbye to Cass. So prepare yourself, sir. You got to queue up uh, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday so we can... Work a little tribute in for next episode. I don't know if that's going to get us in trouble if we play songs we're not paying for, but Eh, if it's like 10 seconds, I think we'll be all right. Okay, fair use. Fair use it is. Uh, We'll see everyone. Oh, hold on. There's more. (laughs) Okay. I got a a final parting word here. Uh, I got us a rule of acquisition, Joe. Frankie rule of acquisition number 17. A contract is a contract, but only between Frankie. That's actually quite apt. That's yeah, a good one. I mean, you've been recovering some good ones lately. I like it. <laughs> They're all like conflict or business deal oriented. So, uh, or about something about mourn, but I'll use them where I can put them in, man. 
Alright, we'll, we'll see everybody next week as we venture into Season 2 and The Gift. See you then!